Hello and welcome to Article 23, the podcast all about making work, work for everyone. My name is Lincoln and today we are very fortunate to have Laura O'Reilly as our guest. Laura is a social entrepreneur who is working to create change in the disability sector. Laura co-founded Fighting Chance, which is a not-for-profit organisation which today supports more than 1,000 adults with disability all over the country through the operation of its social enterprises. And Laura also co-founded Higher Up, an online platform which connects Australians with disability with support workers who fit their needs and share their interests. Laura's work is an inspiration and we are very happy to have her on the podcast. Laura, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. We'll jump in with a question around inclusion, what that looks like, what that means and how it manifests in different ways. Mm -hmm. In your experiences, what does great inclusion look like? So my story is that I'm the sibling of a young man with disability. So there's three kind of kids in my family. I'm the oldest and my youngest brother, Shane, had cerebral palsy. And we had the extraordinary honour, us three kids, of growing up in a family who did inclusion amazingly. Our parents, our dad in particular, our dad kind of, I guess when Shane, my brother Shane was kind of maybe three or four and it started to become clear what his disability was and that he was going to need a lot of support. My dad actually, you know, gave up jobs and you know um, at the time he was a journalist in the press gallery in parliament house and you know I had an amazing job that he loved so now as an adult I look back and go that was an enormous thing to give up you know that but we the family we moved countries and you know all in pursuit of making sure that Shane was fully included and that set an amazing example I think in in my life of what it can look like and what it what it meant in practice was my parents bent over backwards to make sure that Shane was fully a part of our family life, good and bad. So whatever the family was doing, Shane was coming with us. If we were going on a hike, dad would throw Shane on his back and Shane would go for a hike too. If you know, dad was a big one for Shane being expected to do chores, you know, I remember one of my early memories is my little brother, profound cerebral palsy. So he used a wheelchair. He wasn't able to walk. He needed assistance with, with all kind of aspects of his uh, daily life. And one of my earliest memories is my dad kind of getting him to set the table. He had a walking frame and dad was supporting him to walk back and forward, fork by fork and set the table because my dad really believed that it was critical that Shane be have duties and responsibilities. So I think that's really for all the work that we've subsequently come to do with Fighting Chance and Higher Up um, in the disability sector over these last 10 years, it's really against that framework of inclusion means full participation in daily life good and bad the the joys and the privileges and the fun stuff the hard stuff the work and purpose and participation in in chores and just right across that that gamut so i yeah for me i've got a really strong mental model of how the world should be very much based on that family experience what also puts accountability and purpose and those kinds of ideas at the centre of well-being and inclusion and belonging as well. It's not just all the good stuff. It's having tasks to complete and having people count on you for certain things and being, as you say, having full participation. Mm. Sometimes the conversation can seem like it's about helping others and they're not being a benefit for the person giving the assistance or creating the framework, the foundation, giving the support, whatever that looks like. But when I hear your story, I hear that there's a family unified and energised and loving and safe together. And it's not only something that benefits the individual who has a disability, but it's something that brings other people together as well. Absolutely. 
do you feel the conversation in Australia around disability support acknowledges that when we lift everyone up, when we bring everyone together, it benefits us all? That is the true promise of inclusion. Like if I think back to uh, 2008, 2009, as we were sort of the genesis of the work that we've come to do, and I think back to like, what was that about for me? Part of it was about, this is nonsense that my brother is being excluded. You know, he's this amazing person and he deserves, he has a human right to be included. He has the right to work and it's unacceptable for him. But I also got very strong memories of being like, why would society exclude this extraordinary person? Like that's to society's massive detriment. And, and I mean, just taking employment as sort of one angle, um, one sort of domain, I guess, of inclusion, which is where Fighting Chance very much works strongly and has, has done for about 10 years. If you look at just the numbers, about 52% of people with disability are employed. That's compared to about 84% of the mainstream population. So significant lower rates of employment amongst people with disability in Australia. The numbers are, if you were able to improve that number from about 52% to 64%, a rate that New Zealand is at, it would add tens of billions of dollars to Australia's GDP over, over a period of a decade. You then look at the any kind of sociological kind of studies of what is the impact on a workplace or on a group of people if there is a person with disability in, in the mix, you know, enormous improvements on culture and on, on the organisation as a whole. So there is no doubt that obviously it benefits the person that's being included, but it, the, the impact on the rest of society are way greater. And from my perspective, that's always been a real driving force of my work. It's like, no question, society benefits. How do we communicate those benefits to more people so that we can move past that hurdle and into mm. a more thriving space? What I've observed is that inclusion breeds inclusion. So what I mean by that, like again, taking employers as an example, we've often found that people can want to employ more people with disability. That can be something they intend to do, but there's a barrier there of kind of anxiety of how are we going to do this? You know, I don't really understand what this new employee with disability is going to need from me as the employer. I guess fear of the unknown, perhaps. And that can be a real impediment. But what we've seen over the years is when you create the space for an employer or a group of employees within a business to build a relationship with an employee with disability or, or get to know, in, in my case, you know, the team of one of my social enterprises, we, we work with a lot of corporate clients. And you can just see over a period of time, as you break down the infamiliarity and people just get to realize that, oh, you're just a human being, you know, we're all just, we're just human beings and nothing to be, you know, anxious about, then you can start to really see that sort of system change. So I think it's, it's, it's one of those things where we need to get over a bit of a hurdle with, with where we're at. And the society is definitely moving in the right direction. The NDIS is an example of a massive systemic reform that has taken down some of the structural barriers to, to inclusion. But my hope is that as it happens more, you know, those, those sort of natural flows take over and it becomes more the norm. But yeah, I think the heart of it is just human beings realising and getting to know each other as human beings. That's the key thing. There are a number of social enterprises that Fighting Chance has created. What's the work that's really exciting you at the moment? Where are you seeing, especially during this time where society as a whole is a little destabilised, remote work is coming up as more of a possibility? Where are the exciting changes? Where's the hope lie? Fighting Chances methodology is where a little social enterprise factory. So Fighting Chances methodology is identify a problem in the lives of people with disability. It can be range from employment and lack of employment opportunities through to life planning or independent living. What's the barrier to inclusion? And then we build a social enterprise to try and kind of move the dial on that issue. And critically, social enterprise is really important 
for me personally, because notwithstanding the fact that I am the CEO of a charity, I don't think charity is a very good model in most cases for affecting major social change. Not all cases, there are exceptions, but certainly if you apply this to people with disability as one cohort of people, the historical model has been very charitable and welfare driven. And I saw in my brother Shane's life, he didn't need charity. You know, he was, he was an empowered consumer. You know, he just, he needed services that met his needs and kind of um, organizations bringing a charitable mindset to that can really kind of disrupt the supply demand kind of balance that leads to good outcomes. You know, if you sort of, well, I'm going to benevolently give you what I think you need rather than treating the recipient as a, like, what do you actually need? You know, the process can get quite skewed and outcomes can be quite poor. So we work through social enterprise. One that I'm particularly excited about right now is around people with very complex behaviours. So often young people with autism who find sensory processing really challenging and can communicate via quite extreme physical behaviours and this cohort is a group who the transition to NDIS marketplace dynamic hasn't been smooth a lot of providers have decided not to support people with very challenging complex behaviours so there are there aren't as many good services as I believe that there should be so we're working on that and that makes me really excited I think more generally though coming out of COVID so much has changed so many systems and processes and entrenched ways of working and behaving have been turned on the head and the re-coming together of society and those systems creates a real opportunity for disruption and for building back better and I think a couple of key ways that I, I hope that that's going to play out is around more accessible practices in the workplace Zoom, you know, the rise of Zoom is going to enable not just people with disability, I'm a working mum to, you know, work from home, work work with much more flexible ways is going to, you know, really move the dial. So that's just one small example, but I, I'm just, I'm excited as an entrepreneur to watch society reform. And I think in that disruption reforming process for the entrepreneur, it's really fertile ground to find angles and opportunities that didn't used to exist. And, and as a social entrepreneur, to then use those opportunities to affect social change. So I'm really watching closely with that lens over the next kind of six, 12 months um, and just trying to see gaps that open up that I think we can move into from an inclusion of people with disability perspective. One example of, of that is just higher up one of my organisations, you know, big challenges around workforce, um, you know, being able to recruit the right quality labour. It's been something that's held us back over the years. You know, suddenly you can absolutely see how we can be building teams in other cities and, you know, having workers from much more, you know, remote um, locations than you know, has been previously possible. So I can really see that sort of a... And I think the other thing is something that I've observed just anecdotally um, in, in recent period is I think people are having a bit of a, like what am I doing with my life moment? You know, like COVID has been very disruptive to like normal settled patterns of behavior. And I think there's a, there's a bit of a social restructuring where people are sort of taking a moment to reflect. And we're seeing that translate into amazing candidates coming out of more corporate and traditional space into the social space. Um, and we're seeing that across, across my, my businesses. So yeah, workforce, I think is, is maybe an option right now. In terms of the brief of work currently, we're just, we're very much uh, doubling down on, there's a lot of stuff that we were supposed to have done last year that we haven't, you know, we've been sitting on. So it's going to be, I think, just an explosion of energy over the next kind of six to 12 months to catch up on two years worth of, of things. But yeah, I think the workforce dynamics are interesting. You mentioned earlier the potential anxiety employers can feel when it comes to making changes about accessibility and inclusion in the workplace for people with disabilities. What do you see as a good first step for someone who's listening, potentially that's 
had that feeling, who wants to make a change, what's a good first step in order to overcome that anxiety? Reach out is the answer. Feel the anxiety and reach out anyway. And the thing I always say to employers is there is an enormous amount of organisations, structures, systems that exist to help employers on their pathway to being a more inclusive employer, taking that, you know, disability action plan out of the top drawer and like turning it into something, you know, material and real. The help is there in the form of disability employment services, DESs, um, who can help with kind of recruitment, you know, more holistic solutions, such as my social, you know, social enterprise I founded with my colleague, Paul Brown, and my brother, Jordan Jigsaw, which is very much about, it's a sort of a, it being a, a business in its own right to really train people up and only transition people when they're fully ready to go. We can, through that lens, we can really help to place candidates into employers' workforces who are re- genuinely prepared and really ready and have had a lot of skills of development and training in the sort of two, three years leading up to the placement. There's organizations like Specialistern who do amazing things in terms of recruitment of autistic, you know, neurodiverse, amazing talent into the tech industry. So reaching out is the first step. And I would be more than happy to, to talk to any employers who would like to just kind of find out a bit more and, and take that step. We're here. There's, and there are lots of others who are here to make it less scary. Laura, to finish, I'd love to ask you a question about a recent success that you've witnessed integrating someone with a disability into a workplace where you've seen firsthand the positive effect of that transition. Yes, so a recent story, one of my favourites, is that we had a participant, a woman with disability, who joined My Social Enterprise Jigsaw probably, I would say, maybe four years ago. When she left school, she'd gone into sort of childcare direction, but her retelling of what happened was that she was really good with the kids, but when it came to the note-taking and kind of keeping records of, you know, what the kids had eaten and drunk or whatever it was, you know, her, her literacy was, you know, a weaker sort of, um, aspect for her and she found that bit really hard and her telling what was that you know she's got no support from her employer it was like you either can do this or you can't and you can't okay that's it you know we can't employ you and had had a really negative and quite traumatic experience and then had been unemployed for a period of time so she came to jigsaw pretty you know rock bottom and confidence and I guess you know a little bit at the point of well if I can't do this sort of um, literacy aspect where am I ever going to work you know I can't I can't do this and I've just watched over the years as she's progressed from you know being a trainee doing a training program into being an employee then um, employed by us doing the work then sort of training others in the business as well like supporting others in their journey and has recently been employed into a really kind of coveted internship at at a media company so just to watch people thriving like that watching people have those sorts of experiences and feeling like you know you're positively impacting people's lives in that way you know it's it's rocket fuel for me to you know to keep going keep trying keep working yeah Well, we thank you for your work and also for your time sharing your stories and your perspective with us today. It's been such a delight to speak with you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. And of course, thank you everyone for listening. We look forward to next time.